you pray with me as we uh, begin? God, we again ask this morning that uh, our hearts, our ears, our minds, God, would be attentive to your voice. Help us to hear well what it is that you have for us today. Help us to receive it gladly. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a uh, very dear friend, a close friend uh, in Michigan uh, who... um, is a bit of a celebrity in Michigan. You probably have never heard of her. Her name is Susan Egger. She was uh, a regular columnist in the Detroit Free Press for many years. She wrote two and sometimes three columns a week in the Free Press. And uh, since um, her early retirement, she's been writing more recently for National Geographic. Uh, Susan is and her husband Larry are very dear friends when I'm visiting back in Northport where I was before I came here. Uh, I usually stay with them in their home, and uh, we have many, we've had many times where we have lingered long over a good meal or in front of the fire in their living room or on their front porch uh, chatting, and they are good listeners, and they ask good questions, and maybe it is because of Susan's occupation and her career as a writer that she knows how to ask good questions, but I always um, tell friends before they meet Susan, now Susan's probably going to barrage you with lots of questions. So don't feel like you have to answer all of them. And, and usually friends are a little bit nervous to meet her at first, because like, well, what's she going to ask? But then I discovered that they're usually delighted because people like to be asked questions. They like people to hear about them, to, you know, to, to get to know them. Um, so, and Susan does that well. So I'm going to share a little story, but um, I didn't ask for permission to share this from Susan. And, and I determined that I wasn't going to because she has written about me or quoted me in the Detroit Free Press a couple of times with conversations that we've had over the years, and she never asked for permission, so I didn't ask for permission from her today. But uh, there was one morning where we were at uh, Barb's Bakery in Northport, which is sort of a communal gathering place, and in the bakery there's um, a couple of very large tables. You can't sit by yourself at Barb's. You have to sit with everyone else in the community. It's just a gathering place. And the, the table can hold probably like eight to ten people comfortably. On some mornings, there are 16 or 17 people gathered shoulder to shoulder around the table, uh, you know, chatting it up. I remember this one morning. There were maybe only a half dozen of us there. And um, Susan asked Sharon, who's a local, a lifetime resident of the village there in Northport. Susan asked Sharon a question. And it was a personal question. I can't even remember what the question was. And I don't remember what Sharon's response was. I probably wasn't listening, and uh, I just don't remember, I think. But what I do remember is this. Whatever it was that Sharon shared in response to Susan's question, Sharon must have felt safe at the table with neighbors and friends there. She shared her story or her experience, and I remember a few jaws dropping as she shared the story, and I remember one person who knew her, had known her for a long time, many years, decades, said... uh, I didn't know that about you. To which Sharon said, you never asked. How much do we not know about one another because we simply don't ask? Well, my friend Susan, the writer, she said to me, um, she has said this to me more than once, and I've tried to remember it and I've tried to practice it, although for me, I have to be really intentional. Um, She said, people don't ask enough questions. They don't ask good questions. And I think she's right. We, we do not know how to ask questions well. And along with that, I would say that we also don't know how to listen very well, do we? 
In fact, uh, you're listening now, right? So um, we're either quick to speak ourselves or to argue or defend or um, disagree or simply sometimes when people are speaking, we're just looking for an opportunity for our turn to speak. I mean, how many times have you been in a conversation, maybe you've done this or somebody's done it to you, or you overhear it happening in other conversations where somebody says, um, shares something uh, personal or maybe something painful or, or whatever it may be, and the response of the other person is, well, that reminds me of, and they go, go right on with their story, and what that does is it just shuts down any more of the conversation instead of just listening. We're not good listeners. By the way, I should have said this at the beginning. As I was working on this message this week, and even as I thought about sharing it with you this morning, I thought, listening, listening with care, that doesn't sound like a very spiritual message. Where's the gospel in that? And the more I have thought about it, the, the more I've realized, my goodness, the gospel's all over in this. God loves us each enough that he is attentive to our very thoughts and our words. God listens to us. And I don't mean just in prayer. He promises to hear our prayers as well, but God listens to the cries of our hearts. He, even when we don't have words for what's going on inside of us, God speaks for us because he knows he's very attentive to us. And I think that's good news, that God knows us and loves us enough that he is listening and caring for us and calls us to do the same with each other. This is the second message in a series aimed at intentional evangelism. Um, but the skills of listening, we started this two weeks ago, the skills of listening with care, listening well, asking good questions, are not reserved for evangelism alone. If we would listen with care to one another, I think the church would be that much healthier and life-giving, a place where others would be much more likely to want to find themselves. And maybe this is an especially important message for us here at Zion, because we're a church that uh, we can be warm, we can be friendly, we can be hospitable to, to folks. People feel welcomed here, generally. Um, but listening... Well, listening with care could take the warmth and the friendliness to another level if we would listen well to each other. Learning to listen well is important. And if we can begin to do that with each other, we'll be able to do it with our friends and family members and others who are not yet people of faith or Christ followers. The whole goal of this is to bless in your bulletin this morning is another uh, flyer for this uh, evangelism initiative. I invite you to just take that out for a moment. It says, it says on the, right in the front there, listen with care. <clears throat> I'm going to just read those two paragraphs on the front for you because I, I think they summarize well what it is I'm trying to share with you today. To bless others, it says, begin with listening rather than talking. Jesus often engaged people by asking them questions and loving them through conversation. We heard that in our scripture this morning, the woman at the well. When people are heard and understood, they feel safe and valued. So get curious and ask good questions. Listen deeply to people's dreams and pain. What's more, listen for evidence of God's work in their lives so that you can participate in the work 
that God is already doing. Listen well so that you can learn how to bless others. The scripture reading this morning, as you heard a few moments ago, is a familiar one. Jesus with the woman at the well. We've probably heard this story preached many times. It's an important narrative, especially to the topic at hand this morning of listening with care. In this story, we observe uh, Jesus engaging a Samaritan woman in conversation, a conversation that results in her coming to faith, but more than that, in her becoming a kind of evangelist, sharing her faith with others, her whole community. She went from being an outcast in her village to being an evangelist pointing others to the Messiah. And it all started over a conversation in which Jesus listens well and asks questions. The conversation starts over something as simple and common as a drink of water. But it ends up revealing the thirsty soul of this woman for which she has not found satisfaction. She's been unlucky at love, we learn, and in the process has been married several times, five times, Jesus says, and now she's living with a man outside of marriage. Now, Jesus doesn't condemn her or correct her or chide her. He listens. And when she is uncomfortable with the conversation and redirects, he demonstrates a sensitivity to her sensitivity. She doesn't feel judged or in any way inferior. In fact, she is dumbfounded that Jesus, a Jewish man, would speak to her, a Samaritan woman. That just didn't happen. Jesus traveled intentionally through Samaria, a place or region that Jews never ventured. He broke custom by speaking to uh, this woman, by speaking to a woman. The, the disciples, as we learn from the text, were gone into town to get some food. When they came back, they're surprised that Jesus is talking with this woman. Surprised also that he's sharing the kingdom of heaven with a Samaritan. And Jesus in this narrative shows us the heart and the character of God. God loves all people, even those whom we may deem enemies or who are of a culture very different than our own. God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. Jesus is intentional about putting himself in a place where he can engage with those outside the community of faith, even as we learn from this story, outside his own culture, his own people. Jesus is not interested in living and operating only in a holy huddle. Salt has to get out of the salt shaker in order to make a difference. And while the text isn't explicit, I'm certain that Jesus determined to go through Samaria as a result of prayer. Again, two weeks ago when we started this message series, we talked about beginning with prayer, lifting up your friends, your family members, coworkers, classmates, lifting them up in prayer, those especially who seem far from God or who, who may not yet know Christ, lifting them up in prayer. And I think Jesus even though the text doesn't explicitly say that, probably began this conversation with prayer. Even the traveling through Samaria probably began with prayer as Jesus was attentive to the voice of his Father. The Scripture says that he had to go through Samaria. Well, no one had to go through Samaria. The Jews usually had to go around Samaria. They were intentional about going around. Jesus seemed to have determined, seemed to have been intentional about going through Samaria. 
The, the Jews hated Samaritans. That's why they would go around. And once in Samaria, and finding himself alone at the well when this woman comes along in the heat of the day to draw water, Jesus begins a conversation in which he listens and asks questions. In fact, he gives her permission to speak and ask questions as well. And after the encounter, the woman leaves her, her water pot and she goes back into town, whether it's because the disciples showed up or simply because of her excitement, she goes back into town to tell the folks uh, what she's just experienced. She has felt heard, not judged, listened to and probed, but not condemned. She has met Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, who even the Samaritans had some inkling of. And the encounter resulted in her coming to faith, as well as many others in the town. In fact, if I can read a couple other scriptures for you from John chapter 4. When the woman has gone off to town, back to town, and the disciples are there with Jesus around the well, Jesus is engaging them in conversation. And in the midst of that, in verse 35, Jesus says, I tell you, he's speaking to the disciples, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And, and even at that moment, probably there were people coming from the village out to meet Jesus as she has shared with them what she's experienced. Verse 39 of John chapter 4, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Here's her testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That's her testimony. Can you imagine that? <laughs> so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Compare the response of these people in this backwater Samaritan village with Jesus' own people, with the Jews. It's a wonder that Jesus didn't stay in Samaria, that he got such a warm uh, welcome, such a warm response from these folks. And the text says he didn't even perform a miracle. They believed simply on the basis of his words. First on the basis of the woman's testimony, then on the basis of meeting Jesus themselves. It's a wonder Jesus didn't stay in Samaria. But it wasn't time. Later, Jesus would send, the Samar send his own disciples and us to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Remember Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Samaria represents a culture and a people who are very different from the disciples, from the Jews. For us, for example, if, if Jesus were sending us to go to our Samaria, our Samaria might be the Hispanic population of Jamestown. Our Samaria might be the Native American population in Salamanca. It might be people living in poverty, if that's not your experience or story. The point is that Jesus calls us to go to a people who are will willing to be ambassadors, witnesses to a people who are different than our own. You know, just sharing briefly, this story of the Samaritan woman, you know, oftentimes when, when you're listening and engaging in conversation with someone, it's rare that there's the kind of immediate response that there was in this case, where this woman comes to faith and becomes an evangelist. I can only think of one other time in my ministry, maybe it's happened more than that, but I can think of one example in my ministry 
where that happened. And it was with a Muslim. And I prayed, he prayed to receive Christ. And it was genuine because his future mother-in-law came to me the next day and said, I don't know what you did with, with, with uh, Brian was his name, but he's a different man. That was some 15 or more years ago. And uh, he's now a strong Christian, active in his church. In fact, I was at a U of M football game once. Stadium holds 118,000 people, and it's always full. He found out that I was there at the game that day, and he sought me out and introduced friends to me and said, this is the man that led me to Christ. And it was a one-time conversation. I wish they all were like that. And it was with somebody whose culture is very different than my own. He was Albanian, and he was Muslim. It's amazing. You have no idea who God's going to send you to, who's going to bring across your path. But more often, it doesn't happen immediately like that. More often, it's over long-term relationships. And now I've probably lost my place because I shared that story with you. So Jesus listened well. The conversation wasn't forced. When she became uncomfortable, I think this is important. When she became uncomfortable, Jesus allowed her to redirect the conversation. You know, when he's sort of like, yeah, you're right. You've been married five times, and the guy you're living with isn't yours. And she's uncomfortable, and she redirects. I see you're a prophet. You know, the Jews say we're supposed to worship. And Jesus allowed her to do that. He didn't come back. He just allowed her to do that. She was curious and open enough to listen as well to him and to ask questions. Uh, as I said, it doesn't often happen like this quickly, uh, a response. More often it happens over a long period of time. I shared with you two weeks ago about Judy, the woman that I met on a bar stool in a bowling alley lounge. It was really over many conversations that I had with her over several months before she ever ventured into the church or trusted Christ as her Savior. And even my friend Susan, the writer from Michigan, who I told you is a good listener and who asks good questions, she claims, or at least at one time, she claimed not to be a believer. And I'm not sure where she's still at in terms of faith. I think that there's more faith there than she realizes, and I have no doubt that she's a daughter of God, and she is... She's as flawed as, the, as, as any of us, but I also see the image of God in her. But she said to me early in our friendship, she said, will you still be my friend even if I never believe like you do? Will you still be my friend even if I never believe like you do? That was 16 years ago. Uh, I don't think she still believes exactly as I do. The friendship is genuine. She never was, she never has been a project. And uh, truth is, as much as I've perhaps wanted to be a blessing to she and her husband Larry, they have been an incredible blessing to me. Demonstrating for me what I'm trying to share with you today, they've always listened well, they ask good questions. And uh, they have listened to my hopes and dreams, which has enabled them to know me better and to be a better friend to me and to know how to speak into my own journey. And uh, I hope in some way that I have also been a blessing to them. There is something powerful about simply listening well to others. It's a way of being present in a world in which we often feel very alone or isolated or distracted by technology or our screens. 
Listening is an act of love. It is an invitation to hospitality. Many years ago, I decided to see a Christian counselor. There were some things in my life that I just felt sort of I was stuck in, and I didn't want to be stuck in those things anymore. And so I decided to go see a professional counselor. It was a man that I had been sending others to from the church. I remember our very first meeting. He said to me, isn't it unfortunate that we have to pay someone to listen to us. Isn't it unfortunate that we have to pay someone to listen to us? See, this is why I said if we could learn better how to listen well to one another, listen with care, we could care better for each other. The church would be healthier. We would be healthier. Relationships within the church probably would be healthier if we could listen well. We could learn to care well. And then we have something to share also with those who are outside the church. Let me share a bit of wisdom or advice with you. Still listening? Okay. This comes from from David Benner who wrote Presence and Encounter. He said, being present requires acceptance. It requires accepting what is as it is. We cannot be present to anyone or anything in judgment. Offering presence requires at least a temporary suspension of our normal modes of evaluating, judging, and classifying. He goes on to say, being present is an act of trust, hope, and hospitality. Being present in the present is essential to experiencing God. God is the ever-present, all-present one, present in all circumstances, Present, by the way, not only in you, but also present in the people that you are praying for, those around you, your family members and friends and coworkers and classmates who, who may seem far from God to you and who may also think that they are far from God, but God is not far from them. He is present and at work, wooing them to himself. So you need to be present if you're going to listen. Early covenanters were were good at asking uh, spiritual questions. I don't know how well they listened, but they asked questions of each other. A couple of the questions that I know that they used to ask one another is this, are you in Christ yet? Or how goes your walk? Those are questions that, that believers used to ask of each other. Are you in Christ yet? How goes your walk? On the back of that insert that's in your bulletin again this morning are a number of Uh, spiritual conversation starters. And uh, you don't need to look at them right now, but take that home. There's a number of suggestions there. You, of course, don't use all of them, but as you think about the people that you are praying for, how might you engage in a spiritual conversation with folks? There's some ideas there of how to get started. One of the questions that I find myself asking often when I'm people with people who I don't know all that well yet, I'll ask them if they have a church background, any kind of a church experience or background. And oftentimes people do, uh, depending on their age. That's becoming less and less so as our culture becomes less and less churched. And another question that I will sometimes ask is, what is your experience of other Christians or of the church? And by the way, if you ask that question, be prepared for what you might hear. Because oftentimes many people's experience of the church or of other Christians is fairly negative. And given in our culture, our, our 
climate in our nation right now, our environment right now, you can probably expect to hear that more often than maybe you used to. Christianity Today, just a few weeks ago, uh, published an article in which they said that since the election in November, there's been a 14% decline in church attendance across the nation. People have become weary. People in the church have become weary. And people outside the church are weary of the church. So when you're engaging in conversations with folks, don't be surprised to hear those kinds of things. And let me just say this to you. Don't be defensive about that. Don't get into an argument. Don't get into politics. It's not what you're about. If you share anything, you share the kingdom of God. Okay? Someone noted to me after the service this morning that the, the, the letters that make up the word listen, the same letters are used in the word silent. Let me encourage you this. As you think about the people that, that you are praying for, those in your circle who may be far from God, who aren't churched, what have you, ask God to help you to listen to them. Ask him to even give you the questions to prompt conversation, the spiritual questions that prompt conversation. Ask God to give you an openness to discern where he's at work in their lives. And, uh, and don't be afraid of those conversations. I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to respond to questions. You start with listening. You start with listening. You start with asking good questions. And if you don't know, you can say you don't know. Okay? And if it's people that you're in relationship with, you have the opportunity to go back and say, you know what, I thought more about our conversation that we had the other day. I'd like to share this with you. So be intentional about listening well to the people around you. Take time to listen, to listen deeply, to listen to their hopes and their dreams and their pains. Just listen. And trust God to prompt you to know how to respond when that time comes. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you this morning, we just thank you that you always hear us. Before a word is on our lips, you know it completely. Help us to, to love and be attentive to each other and those who are far from you, even as you are attentive to us. And help us to listen always to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.